0: Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, if you haven't listened to this show before, maybe you want to try checking out another episode, because it's going to be a bit of a weird one. It might be a little bit shorter because of what I'm doing, because I've... Well, I have had a lot of time to watch anime. First off, I've been <laughs> very busy at work, so busy that I'm actually going to be putting the news show on the back burner for a while. But don't worry, I will still make plenty of use of all the things I use to do it, because as you know, I usually use the same stuff I use for the new show to do, um, to do um, plot synopses in this very podcast. So we're going to be, this week I'm going to be looking at kind of two shows, but I'm only going to be doing a synopsis for one, because this is really a synopsis for one thing because the synopsis is really ultimately um, useful for the one thing not really the other I've done episodes on both before you can go check out the episode on Dorara in this podcast feed you can also go check out the episode on Ikabukuro Westgate Park and the reason why I'm doing this is because I've like I get in in my head about stuff a lot in the middle of the week and As everybody listening to this probably already knows, I recently spent three weeks in Japan uh, with kind of a majority of the time spent in Tokyo. And that was for two reasons. First, I only spent a couple days in Osaka and a couple days in Kyoto. And I I think I spent probably close to the right amount of time in um, Osaka, but I probably spent a day too long in Kyoto. But the thing about Tokyo that you have to understand is it is the biggest city in the world. And as somebody who loves cities, it's naturally probably my favorite city on earth just because it is the most city. And I, I mean that in a really genuinely... Truthful way, like I'm, I think, I think that place rules. Um, but, and not, and not just because I'm a giant anime nerd, but that certainly doesn't hurt. But what I really found interesting was out of all the places I went in Tokyo, because I, I, I like tried to like, Hop around the different parts of Tokyo. Like I went to um, my very last full day. I actually spent mostly in in Shimokitazawa, which is the um, the big like it, it's a it's a big um, thrift shop area. Like most of the shops in Shimokitazawa are thrift shop. There's just an insane amount of them, and I've said this to everybody I've talked to about it. You see just an upsetting amount of, A, New York Yankees baseball caps, and B, 1995 specifically, Chicago Bulls merchandise. And if you don't know anything about basketball or the Chicago Bulls, because you can know one and not know the other, believe me, um... 1995 is the year that like Michael Jordan played and like all and like Dennis Rodman played and like the, the 1995 is the year for the Bulls and the Bulls have never been the same since. But kind of to to the dismay of Chicago sports fans. But the long and short of it is I I spent a lot of time in I spent time in like all the different areas like I went to Ginza and I did the whole Ginza thing and. That's a lot. I spent time in Asakusa, and you know, went to Sensoji Temple. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen like a picture of Kie's hand touching the lantern in Sensoji Temple. That was the most I felt comfortable posting of Kie without her explicit permission, because <laughs> she is very. I know you, Kie. If you're listening, you're very pick- picky about pictures. Hi. <laughs> um, but actually, that's not true. I've posted the picture of. Um, Kie, myself and Junko, which was one of the last pictures I posted, I think. Um, but in any event she said something to me that's really true, that you don't that you don't super understand until you're in it, because from the outside, so many of the pictures of Tokyo look kind of the same because it does have an overarching like look and feel. It does have like this overbuilt like, oppressiveness to it. But there are different vibes to each, like, area of Tokyo, to each, like, smaller city that combined to make Tokyo. And the best way that I can kind of describe it is, um, the, it's, it's a feel that you have when you know you're in New York City, but you're specifically in Brooklyn, or you're specifically in Midtown, or you're specifically in the financial district. But the other thing that's really interesting is if you watch a lot of anime, you'll notice that people call out the areas they're in oftentimes. Like Akiba is called out. Um, they don't necessarily call like or you have specific like moments that are called out that are, and that's less true in other media with other cities or even in even in Japanese media with other cities. And part of that is because each each area of Japan has its own designation. So the area that so for example the area that, um, A- Akihabara, that Akihabara is in is called Chiyoda City. And when you open when you're there and you open up your phone and you look at the temperature, it says the temp the current temperature in Chiyoda City. It marks that that's the area you're in. That's where taking information from but or you or you get things like you get very call outs like in JJK you get the Shibuya incident the oftentimes you'll see people who say things about Shinjuku because Shinjuku can be very sketchy particularly the area of Shinjuku called Kabukicho can be very sketchy i stayed there my first night places wild place is not wild in a way that like I couldn't handle myself like I grew up going to New York my whole life like it's it's no less wild than 8th Avenue in New York but I can see how it feels that way and I imagine it feels a very different way if you're a woman walking through that area. I've heard horror stories about being a woman walking through that area specifically. So, the, my point is, is that all these different neighborhoods kind of... They congeal together to make Tokyo, but they're also their own thing. And that's really why it came to what I want to talk about this week. So let's jump right into that right after seven minutes. Go figure. Um, eight minutes, really. And that is... Mainly, a show called Dora. Anime considered. Punchbox for you. Now before we jump directly into what I want to talk about here, since this if you've never listened to an episode like this on the show, um a great another great companion episode, actually my episode on um, what's that on, on Uri on Ice where I didn't particularly talk about Uri on Ice, I talked about Uri on Ice as like a record of being an Olympic class athlete. <laughs> um that's a little bit of how this is gonna go here. But before we jump into that Let's get a quick plot synopsis from our favorite AI friend, Ai. Ai, take it away. Cool, I got this. Durarara focuses on Mikado Ryugamine, a young boy who moves to Ikebukuro, Tokyo, seeking excitement. He quickly becomes involved in the city's supernatural and gang-related activities. Now that that's out of the way, I want to focus less on, like, the characters of, like, our main character, um... Masaomi or Celty, specifically. Although, as as a disabled person and as a person who has run panels in the past at anime conventions, very a very popular panel at an anime convention, by the way. Like, if I never said this, but by the end of me doing my Full Metal and Beyond panel, the room was full every time I did it. It was under like they moved they starred me in I think the biggest room. I've ever been in, which is in the um, the Hyatt in um the Times Square hot the Times Square um Hyatt or whatever, and they put me in like a huge room, and I felt bad for the panel that was before me because I quickly realized that ninety percent of the people who were there were there for my panel and they were camping out, and then the room filled further to be like. Anywhere from a third to half full. Which for my first time I was like... Oh shit, people actually want to see this. And the room was like... A, a ballroom. It was upsettingly lush. Ever, every time since... I have been in smaller rooms. And they have been like... Standing room only. <laughs> which is... Crazy to me. Which is... I It made me so happy to like... Do that specific panel about disability in anime. And like... Bill rooms. But... The reason why I bring that up is because Shelty is one of my best examples of death, of death and mute characters in anime. And really, she's completely independent. She does not need your fucking help. She is just out in the world doing her own shit. And she just happens not to talk. She can hear you, but she can't speak. So it's just, it's. It's really it's a really great example of a hyper competent um, character, and the people close to her don't they don't um, they don't fault her for that. A great another great example of this they, they don't they don't fault her for it. They don't even really call attention to it. They they are close enough to her and they just accept it. And there's this. I always appreciate when my friends have never, a, never really asked about what my deal was when they see my disability. They're never like, well, ha- well what happened? And my, my two best friends in the world, okay. Kie, once again, hi, Kie, and Lauren, both never asked that question. Like, it came up eventually, but it was never like, what the fuck happened to you? Like, I need answers. Explain yourself. Make it so I can understand before I accept what's already in front of me. Lots of people have that chip, have that relationship backwards. The understanding should come after acceptance. Because if, if you require to understand what's happening before you accept it, you're denying that what's happening is happening, kind of. And to do that to a person is more than a little fucked, in my estimation. So, Selfie as a character is really interesting. But the whole reason why I want to talk about this, and the reason why I brought up um, or Westgate Park, is because there's a really critical character in both shows that's more explicitly mentioned in... uh, There's more explicitly depicted actually in Dorara, but it explicitly mentioned it, Ikebukuro, in, um, wet, in Ikebukuro, in Ikebukuro Westgate Park, and that is the part of Tokyo called Ikebukuro. And the reason why I... And the thing that really drew me to this is I spent time there, and I really kind of... Probably my favorite part of Tokyo. It's just probably my favorite part of Tokyo, because it has the right mix of things. It has the right mix of, you know, small and big shops of residential and commercial of like high end and low end of seedy and clean. So I gotta give you some just walking around stories from Ikebukuro because they're in my head and they're what kind of got me to this thing. And then I'll relate back to why it made me think of Specifically, Dorara, and then also um, Westgate Park. In a second. So when I was walking around uh, around the station, you can walk that. You can very easily walk down this small alley, and it come to a T. But right before it come to a T, there's a underground. There's a entrance to an underground shop. And this this is kind of dark and dingy. It's very clearly an alley that has existed for a while. Um, on one side, on the opposite side of the, an alley, is a cut through that is just like a cut through with storage lockers in it, which is weird and wild. And when I was there, there was a truck stopped at the tee, at the tee off uh, the cross street that teed off the end of the alley. So instead, so I kind of instinctively looked to the side and looked at this like underground shop entrance and what i was met with kind of just made me instinctually laugh because it this like door to just like doors to stairs that went down with papered. i'm not kidding papered in japanese promotional posters for porno and like not like not like The stuff where, like, the girls clothed in a bikini. Like, full-on, like... (laughs) Orgy and gangbang, like, full naked situations. Just so much, so much more than you would ever see. And bear in mind, I am a guy who, like many people in New York do... I've had a lot of interactions with 8th Avenue in New York, specifically the part of 8th Avenue, um, by Times Square and Penn Station, like in between that. Because if you've, ever, if you've ever commuted in or out of the city and you need to go through Times Square, sometimes, if you're like me, you like to go through Times Square and you like to just see the building. But sometimes... You want to get on the last express train. You don't want to take your fucking time. So you switch over to 8th Avenue and you book it. But the interesting thing is what you book it through is a bizarre collection of bodegas, strip clubs, porn shops, and bars. And then eventually you see the TikTok um diner and you're like, oh, I'm right across the street from Penn Station. Let me cross over and go home. In my case. But the, the stuff that you see in the like there's like a there's an affront to decency in most Amer in like most American cities. Like you're very rarely going to see Straight up naked people, like on posters and stuff. You'll see allusions to things. the The outside of Philadelphia for the past couple of years has led to has led everyone who enters that city to believe that Philadelphia is currently real horny because it's all posters for prophylactic <laughs> and birth control. It's fucking wild, but you won't ever see like straight-up porno promotion was, like, girl with pixelated dongs, one in each hand, and just full chest out, staring you in the face on a Tuesday afternoon. That's just not going to happen. That's all, like, behind all the facade, behind all the darkened windows of all those shops. You know what they are? And once you go in there, it's no holds bar, whatever. But the outside is always... Control. and this isn't the first one of these shops I'd seen but what kind of occurred to me as I was walked around the rest of the city was that's mixed in with like residential buildings with restaurants with like this is a place that people live and like it would be very easy for like school kids to just walk by the thing and see this shit And the reason why that reminds me of Dorara in particular, and a little bit of Ikabuka or Westgate Park, but we'll get to that moment in a second, um, is that there's a kind of vibe to Dorara, and that is that these kids are by themselves. These kids are notably, in a way that isn't true in other anime, even without their parents. Their parents exist somewhere. Like, I think um Masaomi calls his parents at some point and like says, like, yeah, I'm fine, it's great. You know, I, I met up with I'm making great friends. I'm uh, actually not masomi um Mikaido is the main character, sorry. Um Mikaido's like, yeah, it's great, I'm I'm making good friends, Masomi's great, all this other stuff. And you get the sense that, like, the adults are one thing, and the adults are their own version of crazy. Like, Shinzo, like, Shinzo is an insane, like, weird urban myth unto unto himself. Isaiah is the same thing. And then you have, like, the myth of stealthy. But in this part of the city, there's just enough mystery mixed in with reality and just and just enough stuff that's like a kid can see but can't enter, that I can totally see a kind of fantasy world being built there. And also, there's a there's another thing about Tokyo that, and this is super true of um, Akihabara, like I. I At some point, I'm going to finish the show and watch it, but I have a new respect for a- for Akiba Maid Wars now because I've been there and I've seen the, like, maids hawking their wares. Like, so when you're walking through Akihabara, it's like you, and on the left is a sh- is all the shops, and on the right is all of these girls in maid costumes trying to give you flyer to their cafe. And the cafes vary in quality, theme, and like size. So, like the big, I think probably the biggest made cafe I saw was this was probably a chain called Made Dreamin', and it like they had billboards, they had like they, they were right they were right on the they were on ground level, and it was totally normal. And then. The one I went to was... I forget what it was called. But it was a gambling scene to Maid Cafe. Like, you didn't really gamble. You gave them 30 bucks, and they gave you $300. For, like, $300 of fun money tokens or whatever. And you, like, played until you ran out of tokens. And then you'd leave. But... The thing that you realize... that I That you realize pretty immediately in Tokyo. And for me, immediately in in Akihabara because that was really when I came back to Tokyo that was one of the first places Kiei took me and they there's like there's a verticality to Tokyo that you don't super realize all the time and that is that there's a lot of stuff that's like on the fifth floor of a building Oftentimes in a city like New York, what you want is usually on the ground floor. Unless you're going to a very specific thing or you're going to somebody's apartment, it's on the ground floor. That's just the way kind of American cities work. If you've ever been to London, oftentimes their stuff, you go down into basements. You don't go up, you go down. In Japan, at least in Tokyo... And a little in, a little in other cities too. There's a kind of acceptance of like, shit can be on whatever floor it wants. It it wants or needs to be on. This gambling-themed maid cafe is on the seventh floor. And surprise, surprise, there's no windows in here. It's a it's a gambling-themed cafe. But the, the bottom of the building is kind of nothing. It's like a side entrance or something. And so. The interesting thing here is that, like, in Ikabukura Westgate Park, they really get into that. Like, a lot of the main character of that show's, like, dealings happen at, like, a... At, like, a smoke... One of the first things you see is, um... Is a, is like, he goes to a smoke shop, and it's, like, on the 15th floor or something. And you don't see that a whole lot in Ikebukuro, in, um, in Dorara, but that's also because you got a bunch of kids. Like, they're not going to a smoke shop. They're, like, gang, gang fights, kind of. And the other thing about that I liked about Ikebukuro specifically, and I didn't really realize this until somebody made a post about, like, well, would you live in this part of the city or this part of the city? Like, would, would, I, I forget how he posed it, but it was like, would you rather live in, like, near Tokyo Station or in Shinjuku? And in my brain, I was like, why, why are we? Why are we counting out Ikebukuro? Like Ikebukuro seems fabulous. Ikebukuro seems nice and quiet, but also loud enough when, for when you want to like go get a drink or like go get in some trouble. And it occurred to me that, and Kie said to me at some point, she's like, "Oh, it makes sense that you would want to go Ikebukuro." That was a real, for a long time, that was a real otaku mecca, and. It snapped into place of, like, why, the, why there are two shows made in that area is because it's a place that Otaku would be familiar with, much like Akihabara. But the difference in, Aki, in between Akihabara and a place like Ikebukuro is Ikebukuro has more quiet areas. So in um, Ikebukuro Westgate Park, the show... It's named after, and I actually found this park, this big circular park with a stage on one side called Ikebukuro Westgate Park. It's just a public park with, like, cool benches and, like, it's got a fountain feature that turns on sometimes. And when I was there, there was a um, there was a street performer playing a saxophone. It ruled. And the thing that occurred to me was this is... So much of Tokyo can feel like it both has all the room in the world for people, but none of the room for them to live their lives. Ikabukuro manages to feel like it has room for both. And that's why I think even a show, either show, um, although Durara is miles better than Ikabukuro Westgate Park, make no mistake, they both capture this core part of the area, and that is, this is a place where people can live, where people can live and do business, and it's a complete, it's a complete system. So, for example, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I first first night I was in Tokyo was the most, was the day I got there because I flew into Tokyo and then took the train to. Um, all the way out to Osaka, and all the way out to um, Kyoto, and then took the took the local train to Osaka, and then took the train all the way back to Tokyo. But first time I was in Tokyo, I say, I stayed insanely, to be fair, in Kabukicho. I stayed in an APA hotel in Kabukicho. It was a very it was a it was a pretty good hotel. The hotel room was like the size of a postage stamp, but what you gonna do? It had its own bathhouse, which was great. I didn't use it, maybe some other time. But I just, I didn't have time. I wasn't gonna spend my time in this ho- in this tiny hotel in this tiny hotel room, going up to the bathhouse where I could go, just let Tokyo assault me with all of its power. And but like you walk around, you walk around Kabukicho and you walk around Shinjuku, and it's so. It is vibrant and full of people, but it doesn't feel like it's full of people who are living there. It feels like it's full of people who are doing something there. It feels like its intent is to, like, be used as a, like, entertainment hub. Because that's really... And you can... If you do research on Kabuki Joe, you can very easily see how it was... It became what it is. It was started as... An entertainment district. It still remains kind of an entertainment district, but an entertainment of a different variety. And believe me, I've seen the shops. They exist. It's fucking wild. It's just fucking wild. There was one was like one that was just called like Madonna's Peep Show or something, and it was full on like, hey, come come in here and like, we'll give you a booth. You can watch a naked lady, um, for like twenty bucks um but and that 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 particular establishment is like around the co-' like down it's like you you can see the Godzilla head of like internet fame from the doorway of that place from like if you're standing in front of that place, you turn and you can see the Godzilla head it's wild um but like I said. That kind of place doesn't feel like it necessarily has room for low for like an average person to live there. But in the same token, an area like Shibuya, if you look up, you'll probably see apartments. I mean, I walked across Shibuya, Shibuya Crossing and like went and got fried like fried chicken or something, fried. I think fried pork cutlets. Kie, would remember. Hi, Kie. Um, just got a counter in the podcast for that. But um, the I Shinjuku doesn't. Shin oh, not Shin... Shin Shinjuku and Shibuya don't feel like you can't like a person who's not making a ton of money could live there they also feel particularly frenetic for um for, for, for residential purposes they just feel particularly loud and crazy for residential purposes and then i went to the area that i stayed with kie and ultimately the area that i kind of stayed 10 minutes away from because my hotel was ten minutes away from Kie's apartment, um, and Kie's neighborhood was like eerily quiet. It was like there were definitely people living here, but there were definitely like it's not. There was almost no vibrancy to it. There was a cafe, there was there was a cafe that was just opening. Kie told me that the, that there was a bar that closed <laughs> because it just didn't get enough people, and. You walked about 10 minutes away, and you got Akihabara and all of its insanity and, like, the mounds of people and all the nerdy bullshit. All the otakudom, good and bad. You got anime shops with a bottom floor with normal, and then all the top floors were just porn and sex toys. <laughs> there were a couple of those. It was very strange. But... My point is that there's not... There didn't always feel like there was a lot of mixing of the two. And the two places, the two areas I went that felt like the two really effectively mixed were Shimokitazawa, where it felt like this is a place people live. This is a place people live and do business and come back home to from work. And then... Ikebukuro. Like, uh, like if you've ever seen Dorara and you've seen um, Shinra and Sealthy's apartment... I found a building that could be that building, that just could be that apartment building. And it made so much sense to me. Like, Sunshine 60 is not that far away from a lovely little local park with a big old open lawn that like families and people enjoy. It, There can be a tendency when you're watching media from another country. I'm not just talking about anime here at this point. I'm talking about any media from another country. And you probably feel this if you watch stuff from that takes place in New York and you've never been to New York City. It can feel, or you don't go to New York City very often, it can feel like that stuff isn't real. Like that stuff isn't, is being hyperbolized or being like stylized in some way. And For me, it really hit me when I was in Ikebukuro that, like, the stuff that takes place in Tokyo, that makes Tokyo look the way it does, it looks the way everybody, like, thinks about it if you've seen Tokyo in various anime. That's not hyperbole. That's real. And the, like, the, like, uh, the feel of the neighborhoods that they call out in something like Akiba's Trip or or Jorara, are very specific to those shows for a reason, because in the case of both of those shows, and in the case of Westgate Park, they were made with the idea that those areas would be... um, would be... What's it called? Would be almost characters unto themselves. And I've, having been to a bunch of different odd neighborhoods in, having been to a bunch of different neighborhoods in Tokyo, I can see where you could spend time, enough time in a neighborhood in Tokyo and be like, I could write a story that's that specifically in this place and I could dial in how this place feels. Like, if you wanted to write a story that took place in, like, Yoshiwara, which is of like, which was the once and still is red light district of Tokyo. You could totally write that. So for the reason why I bring this up is because um, uh, Draken, who I have a figure of that I got from a capsule machine in Osaka, um, he famously his quote unquote house is just a soapland. It's just a soapland. And because of the way that the world that Tokyo has grown up through the ages, I can probably pinpoint where that is. It's one of a couple places. There are a couple places that have a lot of Soap land, so it's most so like, it's most likely probably since it's on like a fifth floor and it's not like its own thing, it's probably in, it might be in Kabukicho. It just might be. It might be. Uh, I doubt it's in Yoshiwara because I went exploring out there, and it, they were all—they were all just like, "Hey, here's a sandwich board. This is this entire building," <laughs> and the kind of like specifics in the look and feel of different um, eras of Tokyo in something like, um, like Tokyo Revengers. Is also very true. I'm sure that the Tokyo of even five years ago felt different in some way than the Tokyo uh, that I just experienced of now. It's, just, it was all, it's all very interesting, and I wanted a reason to, like, ramble about my trip a little bit because I, I loved it. It's it, it probably, and I've, I'm not attempting to brag here. But I have been all over the world. I have been to probably nine countries on at least three to four continents. I've been to Morocco. I've been to Belgium. I've been to... London a bunch of times, I've been to Paris a bunch of times, I've been to Spain, I've been to a couple cities in Spain, Granada, Barcelona, um, and I've been to Canada, I've been to Montreal, and now I've been to Japan, and... This was the first time where it didn't feel real in the middle of it. Does that make any sense? And part of that, I realize, is my like nerdiness and my them. But the other part of it is that it was... And I'm certainly going to go back at some point. Um, If for no other reason than Kie would spit on my grave if I died and didn't go back. Um, But... It felt like a place I could be. It felt like a place that had room for whatever I was, and I I don't know if that was projection or hope or any of that. And I know that xenophobia is a real thing. And if you're a person who's not from Japan in Japan, you will never you will never be a jap you will never be seen the same as a Japanese person ever. Case in fucking point. Um, Kia and I were. In the um, Studio Ghibli Museum, which I'll talk about at some point. But we went to the Studio Ghibli Museum in, in Mikata. I didn't try to go to the theme park because that's apparently much more complicated. Maybe next time. Um, <laughs> when I can rope Junko in too. Um, but we were going to the museum and Kie was with me. And we were going up... To the roof which is the, so you'll ne- you'll only ever see pictures from the roof of that museum because you can never you can't take pictures in the museum take pictures outside of the museum all you fucking want can't take pictures in the museum, which is an inspired choice like Kie and I both loved that part because <laughs> you, you weren't waiting for people to finish taking their fucking pictures, which was wild but um we were we were coming out of the door to, like get up. And people were, were, like, saying excuse me to me in English because they thought, like, oh, American dude, speak the only English phrases you know to him. But they were also doing it to Kie. Which, <laughs> when I caught up to him, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm infecting your whole life right now. And she's like, it's fine. It's shitty that they do it at all, it's, but it's fine. And that was because, he, like... They they assume that it like, oh, if these two are here together, then A, you are probably a couple, which is me and Kay have grown have grown depressingly used to that <laughs> to that like fact of our friendship that people always assume that we are an item. Um, it does not help that we compensate for each other like an old married couple, but that's neither here nor there. But it's just like uh, something about Tokyo just really rang, like resonated with me in a way that, like, like I once again, I am a person who loves cities, and I'm sure a lot of the reason why I love Tokyo is Tokyo is just the biggest city. It's, it's the most city. <laughs> it is if you listen. It is if you listen to Friends at the Table. Tokyo is city, city. <laughs> As it rules. Um, but I also, I've, I'm, and I've, I, every time I'm in New York, I like see something and I'm like, I love, I, I say out loud, I love you, New York. Never change. Steve, keep saying weird as shit. And there's nothing quite, there's nothing quite as aggressive as New York. Like, New York, the weird shit is. Deeply weird. It's deeply unhingedly America fuck yeah weird. The weird shit in Tokyo is. I don't even think has to do with it being East Asian or any or Japanese or any of that shit. It's like consumerism has like opened its maw and let out magic. Like so the the corner. Digital billboard in Shinjuku that is like that's really well known. That's like you see at you see ad spots from it all over Instagram all the time. But like when you see it and you hear it play music and it changes the vibe of the entire area. It's so weird and haunting and cool and just like the thing I appreciate The thing that I appreciated about um. And also, um, the treatment of Akihabara in, um, in Log Horizon, since I've been getting back into, since I've been trying to make it through Log Horizon Season 3 lately, also made me think about this, because their treatment of Akihabara is so different from what Akihabara actually is in reality, because they, like, they've they removed Akihabara and replaced it with like a different thing that is still vibrant and cool, But it's not the, like, nerd hub that it currently is. Um, But the... The, like... Capturing in a bottle of the vibe of a place is impressive. And I wanted to call out specifically Dorara and lesser but still specifically... Westgate Park for doing that really well because and you'll notice I, I haven't talked about the story of Ezer the entire time I've done that before you can go listen to the podcast where I do do that but that's not what struck me this time but when, when I was thinking when I was thinking about it, it's not the thing that struck me in the same way that I was Really struck by the kind of portrait of an Olympic class athlete in my um, episode about um, Yuri on Ice. I'm really struck by the use of a part of Tokyo as a character in it, in a show, in a show like Durarara, or certainly a show like um, Ichibukuro Westgate Park, and the. Ikabukura Westgate Park is very clearly taking inspiration from Dorara. It is just very clearly doing that. The, like, the two gangs that have their own colors, the, like, wild characters in that show are shadows of things like, um... Of characters like Shinzo, who is, like, the super strong bartender or stealthy. Um... And it's just, but the thing, the thing that both show, that Ikebukuro Westgate Park knew it had to get right, it really did get right. And that is the vibe of Ikebukuro as a place. And, I like, that's not undeserving of a place that has a train station that has something like 200 exits and entrances, which is wild. Um, but on that note, um, I hope you liked this episode. I know it was a little strange, but, um, like I said, I'm going to be putting the new show on the back burner only because I, I'm not enthralled with it, but I might come back to it at some point. I might not. Um, but on that note, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. I'll talk to you next time.